Hi, this is Mac of MaxList. Find Your Dream Job is presented by MaxList, an online community where you can find free resources for your job search, plus online courses and books that help you advance your career. My latest book is called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. It's a reference guide for your career that covers all aspects of the job search, including expert advice in every chapter. You can get the first chapter for free by visiting maxlist.org slash anywhere. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstein, Becky Thomas, and Jessica Black from the MaxList team. This week, we're talking about how to build your personal brand online. Like it or not, we live in a digital age where each of us has a personal brand. And the first impression we make will likely be online. Studies say more than 90% of recruiters will search for you online before offering an interview. Are you ready for this? Our guest expert this week is Ryan Roden. He says a successful online personal brand has four parts. Ryan and I talk later in the show about those parts. LinkedIn is one way to find people in your profession to ask for career advice. There are other online tools, too. Ben has found an app you can use to meet people in your field who want to swap career advice. He tells us more shortly. You find a job you want, and it's at a company where you want to work. Even better, you have a friend on the inside who takes your resume to the hiring manager. Should you also apply online for the job? That's our question of the week. It comes from listener Heather Fonseca in Los Angeles. Becky shares her advice in a moment. First, as always, let's check in with the MaxList team, and we turn to Ben Forstag, who's out there every week poking around the internet looking for books, tools, and websites you can use in your job search and career. So, Ben, what have you uncovered for listeners this week? So, this week, I want to share with you uh, a resource that was shared with me by someone I know pretty well, Becky Thomas. Woo! Hey, that's I, me. I understand she's a frequent Find Your Dream Job listener. And oh. co-host. Uh, constant listener. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Biggest fan. Biggest fan. <laughs> so this is the Shaper app. It's an app for your smartphone, whether you've got an iPhone or an Android. And it's like a combination between LinkedIn, Tinder, and a slot machine. Whoa. Slot machine? Slot machine. Okay. Yes. So it's randomized. It's is that the key? The, the yes. sort of that the old school. That's right. So, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool. We talk about it a lot. And I think uh, the way a lot of people use LinkedIn is like they contact people that they've already met in real life at a networking event or they had an informational interview with or they just know each other from some past employment um, and then they connect that way. But I know from talking to people, they really struggle sometimes about like meeting new people on LinkedIn, like folks that they might not have any connection with. Um, and it's a little bit awkward to kind of reach out to someone and say like, Hey, uh, let's let's talk, or I've got I'd like to pick your brain about something, or things like that. Obviously, there's ways to do this, but I think a lot of people are are uncomfortable with that. They feel like they're um, imposing on the other person. So this app, it's 
kind of like it takes that idea of LinkedIn as a professional network, but people kind of pre-vet themselves and say like, I want to talk about X, Y, or Z, whatever X, Y, and Z are. Sometimes it might be career stuff. It could be social justice. It could be your local community. Um, you sign yourself up. You pick what things you'd like to talk about, and then this app matches you up, right? And so every day, I signed up for for uh, Shaper here. I can show you on my cell phone to prove it. Um, but so every day, uh, it goes through and it pulls out. Here are twenty people you might want to meet. Right, and they're kind of randomly selected from shared interests and shared location, and uh, kind of like Tinder, you swipe right if you're interested in meeting that person. You swipe left if you you're not interested. Your your interests don't line up, and if there's both parties are both interested in meeting, the whole goal of the app is to get you off the app and meet in person so you can connect and build your network that way. It's like a really interesting tool. I will say I'm not sure if this is like the next big thing or just kind of a ship passing in the night, um, but I did sign up for it. it. I can see the possibilities there, and uh, already like three or four people have reached out to me and said like, "Hey, let's meet up," um, and they're like legitimate, real people, not sales folks trying to sell me something. So I think it's it's kind of interesting, um, and if you're looking to grow your professional network in a new and interesting way, uh, this is definitely something you should try out. It's called Shaper. That's spelled S-H-A-P-R. And uh, we'll have the URL in the show notes. Great tip. Is this something you used in your own job search, Becky? No, it just popped up as like an Instagram ad for me like a like a week or two ago. And I was like, what is this? Like this is, you know, in line with my professional interests. And so I went and checked it out. And it just seemed really like an interesting concept, you know, a way to meet new folks. It seems like a lot of entrepreneurs are using it. Like if they're trying to find people who are sort of interested in their their business idea or things like that, just to like grow your network, especially if you're like looking to do a new project or start a new job search or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty good, cool. It really is a good way to meet new people that wouldn't be in your same circles. Yeah. But yeah, to for bring sure. them into your circles, it's yeah, great. Exactly. And one of the things I like about it is it's not this like infinite list of people you need to sort through. It's 20 people a day or suggestions a day of, of this might be someone you might be interested in talking to. And uh, once you've swiped left or right, depending on what your interest is with those 20 people, it says, okay, we'll send you another 20 people tomorrow that you might mm-hmm. want to consider. Yeah, that's good. So you don't like spend all your time on it either. Yeah. <laughs> been a problem for some people with Tinder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on those dating apps, you could spend all day doing that. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, it's, it's a kind of the thing you can do in like less than a minute, really, I think. Um, but uh, an interesting way to, to grow your network. Yeah, and so you can choose by city and by subject area, and it sounds, I'm, I'm guessing from the conversation, that it's available across the United States. It is, and uh, you know, I, so I pulled it up, and there's a fair number of people here in Portland. There are a lot of people from Seattle, which tells me probably that's a bigger market for them right now. So it's all going to depend on kind of the adoption in your local market, but I'm guessing if you live in any one of the top 20, 30 markets in the country, there are going to be some people to meet there. Okay, well, great. Well, great tip, and if you've got your own suggestion for Ben, just write him, and we'd love to share your idea on the show. His address is ben at maxlist.org, and I don't think that Becky sent Ben an email. They may have just, because they've got adjoining mm. offices. Did you? I think I might have sent you an email. <laughs> I think she did. Okay. Well, uh, you do share a common wall, so uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, good to know that you're communicating. But let's turn back to Becky, because she's here to answer one of your questions. And uh, Becky, what's in the mailbag this week? So this week's question comes from a fan of the show, listener Heather Fonseca of Los Angeles, California. 
And maybe a dozen episodes back, she submitted a question to us that, I don't know if you guys remember, but she had asked about um, transitioning from working from home and working sort of part-time and raising kids to getting back into the full-time job market. And so she emailed me again and and had an update and another question, which is really cool. So thanks, Heather, for following up. Um, Anything in the update you want to share or can't share? Oh, well, that's part of her question. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So so she, as she's been searching for that full-time job, and sort of transitioning back into the the full-time workforce, she had a question. So I'll just read it out to you guys. Um, So I have been searching for a full-time job for the last few months. I know a lot of people in my field and have been industriously networking both online and in person. And a position has come up at a company where I would love to work. One of my friends who works there has offered to take my resume and cover letter to the hiring manager. I know from listening to your podcast, all right, that this is the best way to apply for a job, but I'm wondering if I should also apply online. Do you think it's redundant, or is this an important second step? So thank you, Heather. That is a great question. So yeah, basically she, um, she's she got an inside connection and she's wondering if she should sort of let that person do their work or if she should apply online as well. Um, and so I think it sort of depends on exactly where in the process you're at. So I I had actually responded to her a little bit with some initial responses because we're recording this podcast a little bit ahead of time and I want to make sure she got her her advice. Um, But I think that no matter what situation or like sort of where you're at with this, you should have your application materials prepared for the job that you that you want. Um, whether you're you've got a friend on the inside who's talking to the hiring manager or not, um, you should definitely have like your cover letter written and your you know references ready to go for that job specifically. Um, I think you know even if your friend gets you a meeting or a coffee with the hiring manager and you get your foot in the door in a really great way you're probably still going to have to formally apply in some way or another um so and you know even if for you know something happens where they're like just take this job you're great and you, they don't actually ask for your materials i think that preparing those materials is going to get you sort of ready to have those conversations and things like that um so that's definitely, I think, the best practice. And um, I know Heather's friend had sort of talked to the hiring manager already and, and things like that, but um, I think that it's good to give your friend or your contact who's going to sort of go vouch for you, give them your resume so they can at least hand the hiring manager something to remember you by. And then, you know, if the conversation goes well and you, you do get your foot in the door, you have some sort of special instructions from your friend to contact that person directly, um, then you can go ahead and submit your application to that person. And if they're like, no, I don't really want to meet with this person, like feel free, they can feel free to apply online, but we've got a formal process and I'm not taking any side meetings or something like that. Then your application is ready to go and you can just send it off. And that hiring manager will at least remember your name from the person who came in and talked to talk to that person about you. So either way, you're you're still in a better position to have your have your contact go in and talk to the hiring manager. Um, and so I think that, you know, Heather's done all the right things here and she got her application ready to go. And so hopefully it all goes well. Yeah. Good luck, Heather. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I'm just going to jump in and say that, uh, absolutely Heather's doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that if you can time it right, definitely having that person on the inside, is amazing and being able to submit the resume and cover letter physically with that Mm -hmm. 
contact on the inside is amazing, but I would also apply online, like kind of make sure that you are including that in part of your process. And Mm -hmm. I would even kind of related to the timing part that I was mentioning, Mm -hmm. if you can submit your application online first and then have your person on the inside, your friend on the inside the next day or something like that, put the resume on that hiring manager's desk and say, hi, my friend applied online. I think they would be a really good fit. Mm. Um, Here's the physical resume. Um, You know, let me know if there's any next steps that I can connect you to those types of things. Um, So that there is, they've, Heather's done the, um, the formal part of it, but then there's also the personal connection on the backside. So that would be what I suggest. Yeah, I think you're both right. And, uh, I've actually heard from hiring managers that they sometimes have problems when they get like a, a application outside of the formal application process. It's really difficult for them, even if they really like the candidate, to like get it back into the process themselves. So if they, there's a formal HR system, you know, the hiring manager doesn't want to sit there and then manually type all the information into that HR system about the candidate. And so you kind of get in a dead end, even if you have the in with the hiring manager there. So if you take the the approach of, you know, the internal process through the hiring manager and the the normal process through human resources, like you're covering both your bases there. Mm -hmm. So more is better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would add, it's so terrific that she has this ally on the inside who can be a champion for her. And one of the approaches she might consider taking with that ally, that friend, is just asking them for advice about this. Uh, And because in some organizations... Uh, there is a very formal hiring process, and even if you're coming in through the back door, you've still got to go through the f- front door. So, right. uh, but it's she's got such a huge asset here by having someone on the inside looking out for who can give her those insights. And That's I, a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I chances are you'll probably if the job is going to be posted publicly. You're probably going to end up posting something or applying online in addition to working your inside network. Yeah. But Good. this is exciting. I, I hope we hear back from Heather how, how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'll check in with her and update you guys. Okay. So, thanks, terrific. Heather. Well, uh, thank you, Becky, and thank you, Heather, for that question. And, and I appreciate you coming back. And I think we can offer her a second book if we want. We had someone else um, uh, I, who turned us down on the second <laughs> one. Have we heard from Heather yet if she wants one or not? Uh, she actually didn't get one on the first time because she sent us a, she left us a voicemail and we oh, didn't get her her oh mailing gosh. address. Okay. So it was actually great that now you know we've got her mailing address and so she will be getting a book. You better watch <laughs> out. We're gonna get book wholesalers just submitting us question yeah. after question after question. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a long game. But some people do like the second book because they give it to their friends yes. or yep. family or whatever. They give it as gifts. Plus, I, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. We want to get the books out there, and we'd love to send you, uh, anyone who's listening, a book. Just send Becky an email with a question, and we'll be sure to get something in the mail to you. Becky's address is becky at maxlist.org, or you can call the listener line, and that area code is 716-JOB-TALK, or post a message on our MaxList Facebook page. And again, if we use your question on the show, we'll send you a copy of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. We'll be back in a moment, and when we return, I'll talk with this week's guest expert, Ryan Roden, about how to build your personal brand online. We've been making Find Your Dream Job for more than two years now, and it's about time we got to know you, our listeners, even better. 
I really want to know, what do you like about our show? What do you think we should change? And what's the one topic that you wish we'd cover? Our first ever listener survey is live now through February 28th, 2018. And you can take it at maxlist.org slash podcast survey. It'll take you less than five minutes to complete, and you'll be entered to win one of three $50 Amazon gift cards. So take a few minutes right now to complete our survey. Go to maxlist.org slash podcast survey. We'll also include that URL in the show notes. And thank you. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Ryan Roten. Ryan Roten is a personal and digital branding strategist, a public speaker, and a podcaster. He's also the author of the book, Career Cred, Four Simple Steps to Build Your Digital Brand and Boost Credibility in Your Career. He joins us today from Golden, Colorado. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Mac, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, you know, it's a pleasure to have you as a guest. Now, we're talking about personal branding this week and uh, how it can help job seekers and people uh, managing their careers. Ryan, when you talk about someone's personal brand, tell us more about that. What do you have in mind? So for me, personal branding personal, personal branding is different than a personal brand, and I, I separate the two. But a personal brand is simply, for me and those listening, who you are. It's a combination of your skills, your traits. It's how you do things. It's why you do the things that you do. And it's really you being authentic to yourself. And a lot of times um, that gets missed when we try to go create online, if you will, a digital persona. And it doesn't quite translate over from offline world to the online world. So when I think of personal brands, I just simply think of you and I as individuals and all of the skills and character traits that make us uniquely us. So this is what makes us unique. And today we're talking about uh, our personal brand online. Tell us uh, a little more about personal branding online and, and why it, it's uh, how it's different from what we might publish online or what should people people been be thinking about here, Ryan? Sure. So, I mean, the very first thing that I think everybody needs to keep in the forefront of their minds, especially when it comes to their career these days, is that we live in a digital first world. And so what that means is that each and every one of us, when we hear about something or we hear about someone and we want to learn a little bit more, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to Google and we're going to look, look you up. And what that means is that you and I can make a first impression even while we sleep. And so it's important for us as we start to look at our online reputations, how we manage that, what we post, what's out there about us. Because when someone Googles us, that quote zero moment of truth, when the top 10 search results come up, what they find about us online becomes their perception of who we are as people and what we're capable of doing. And if you haven't taken the time to cultivate what that perception can be and demonstrate your expertise online, you could leave someone with the, an impression that you don't want them to have. And so I think it's really important, especially today, you know, hiring managers that I've interviewed on my podcast, recruiters I've talked to, all of them, one of the first things they do as soon as they get your resume, after they've scanned it, they go and they look you up online. And I think people really need to keep that in mind. So people are going to Google us online and look for us online. 
What, how much control do job seekers and people managing their careers have, Ryan, when it comes to uh, determining what pops up? Because I, I think many listeners get it, uh, particularly people who've been following this show for a while. They understand they're not supposed to put up their college spring break photos on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, when, once you get through those basic uh, do's and don'ts, what, what can a listener do to take control of their online image? Yeah, I mean, you can do a lot more to control your online brand, your online persona than what you think you can. And probably the single best thing that you can start to do for your career is to demonstrate your expertise online. And one of the ways you can ensure that your name comes up in a favorable, favorable light is by the content that you post online. And so if you've done, if, if you've followed the steps, for example, in my book, Career Cred, where you've defined what your brand is and you've integrated your brand correctly online and you create all of the different links and pages that you need so that Google recognizes that you are you, then you need to start to create some type of content so that you can let people know that as a friend of mine, Mark Miller, who's also a, who's a career coach once told me, you have to let people know that you know your stuff. And the best way that you can do that today is by posting content online. And, you know, as you said, that that's not content of you on spring break. <laughs> uh, you know, although some of that stuff is okay in the right context. And I think that's the other part that people really need to understand is the context in which they post their, you know, whatever it is they're posting, whether it's a blog post or a picture or an image or a video they, you know, you need to be wary that all of those things, when taken in uh, totality, create an image of you and a perception of you online. And so you really have to be cognizant of what you post and being consistent in what you post and also being congruent in what you post, meaning you're posting about the same things the majority of the time online. All of that will help you control that perception that someone can have of you when they first search for you online. So in, in your book and in your blog, Ryan, you lay out sort of four basic parts to having a successful online personal brand. Why don't you take us through those four parts? And let's start by, if you could just give us the headlines, what are the four parts? And then could you take us through the first one? Sure. The, the four steps are define, integrate, create, and engage. And I put those together in a nice little acronym that I refer to as DICE. Um, but each, each step builds upon all the other ones. It's just like, you know, walking upstairs, you can't leap four stairs to get to where you want to go. Well, maybe some people can, but when you get there, you're not going to, you're not going to go as far as what you could have if you'd have followed the steps. So if we start back at the define step, it's really understanding who you are, how you add value. And most importantly, what do you want to become known for? What do you want someone to find when they search for you online? And in the book, I've got a bunch of different exercises that can help people identify what their brand is and also start to really focus in on what they want to become known for. And then once you have identified what that is, now you can go and begin to create your online persona in the integrate step. And so you're really integrating your offline brand at this point to the online space. And this is where I see a lot of people mess up, if you will, because they just go create a bunch of stuff online and they haven't really defined what they want to become known for or how it can help them in their career. And that's why, you know, start with define, move into integrate, 
And now we start to build that online persona and we really need to be congruent with all of the different um, spaces that we exist on online, whether that's social media, a website, or what I like to refer to as a personal brand landing page, like an an about.me. And then once you've integrated online, as I was talking about a second ago, you have to start to create content. And when you create content, that's really where you start to demonstrate your expertise online. That's how people know that you know your stuff. Because without the creation of the content, you can say that you know a lot of stuff about things, but people won't actually buy into it unless you're continuously putting out something that says, hey, I not only know what this stuff is, but here are my thoughts on it. And then the last step in the process is, as you're, as you're putting out your content and you're creating content online, you'll start to notice that people will begin to engage with you, which is the last step in the process. And engage is kind of my secret code word for networking, because a lot of people don't like to hear the word networking, <laughs> but that's mostly because they approach networking wrong or, you know, and, and they think of it as like a speed dating game where you go to this place and you stand around and everybody hands out business cards. And it doesn't have to be like that. In fact, in today's day and age, it's a lot easier to network with people via social media than it ever has been before. You just need to remember that when you get on social media, you're, not, you're looking to have conversations with people, not conversions. And so when you're networking, you're building those relationships, you're having those conversations. And I like to say that you're actually, you can actually put together a, quote, connection strategy, which will help you engage and build your network. I like that model a lot. Uh, one of the advantages I can see it offering to people, particularly those interested in, in moving into a new field or profession, is that they may be doing uh, one kind of work today, but they want to do something else. And I, I think you've you had this experience personally, Ryan, and I imagine some uh, some of the people you've coached have as well. You can use this approach to begin to define yourself in a new way, can't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, if, in fact, if you go and you look me up now and you type in my name, Ryan Roten, what you will find are a lot of things on branding and personal branding. And it, all of it was things that I was building up on the side of my day job, which I was known for being an operations and supply chain person. But I knew that I wanted to switch and change careers at some point. And so I began to build up my desired direction, if you will, what I want to become known for on the side through the content that I was creating, whether it was a blog post or a video or a podcast. And so now when you go and you search for me, what you will find is, as I said a minute ago, a lot of stuff on branding and marketing. And that's what I wanted to become known for. And I was able to build that up and demonstrate my expertise over the last several years. Now, the principles you've outlined are are very clear I can imagine listeners wondering about the just the practical steps involved. Are when you look at the nuts and bolts of this, Ryan? Are people? And you talk, for example, once you've got the uh, your brand defined and you know where you want to go. But when you're talking about content creation, how, how much work typically does this take during the course of a week? Are, are people creating blog posts? Are they doing uh, what? What kind of content do you see people successfully? Uh, create and how much time does it take? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you have to create content, <laughs> um, right? But it, it can take as much or, or as little time as, as you need it to take. When when I was doing it, I used to spend about an hour a day writing out 
uh, what I, you know, I'd start with kind of a framework. This is a rough idea of what I want to do. And then I would, you know, um, write a blog post about it. And, and what, what you find is in the beginning, you can struggle a little bit because it's, it's difficult. It's not, it's not real easy to do. And I actually have some exercises in the book to help people stimulate the, the ideas that they have and how they can take those ideas and turn them into content that they can create. But um, I, I interviewed um, Claudia Altucher on my podcast, and she introduced this concept to me called an idea muscle. And the whole premise, and she actually has a book, it's called The Idea Muscle. It's, it's a really good book. I'd recommend it. Um, but the whole premise is, is that we have these ideas, we have these thoughts in our minds around our areas of expertise that are just kind of back there. And like exercising, where you're trying to increase the strength of you know, any muscle you have on your body, your brain also has an idea muscle that's there. But the more you exercise and the more you use it, the easier it becomes for you to create and come up with content. And so in the beginning, you'll probably need to spend a little bit more time to think through what you want to post, how you want to write it. But most important in the beginning is that you hit publish. Put your thoughts out into the world. And you can rest assured that when you get started, you probably won't have a lot of people paying attention to you. And so I like to call that time, you know, your, you, that's your time of anonymity, which means that you have a period of time once you start to do this where people really aren't paying attention, but you're able to exercise your ideal muscle and begin to develop your craft and it'll become more natural for you to create content. So what started out as an hour a day to, you know, for say three or four days for me to come up with one blog post, I'm now able to knock out blog posts in less than an hour. But Ryan, how do you separate the personal and the professional on online? I, I, what we've been talking about is creating content that is going to help someone either in their field or perhaps move to a new sector. But people are also going to be posting on personal social accounts as well, perhaps certainly Facebook, maybe Twitter, or, or sharing personal pictures on Instagram. How do you strike mm -hmm. a balance between those two? Yeah, great question. And what I coach people to do is in the beginning, when you're trying to lay, lay the framework for becoming known for what you want to become known for, post more professional than personal. People will come to expect more professional stuff from you. Get your thoughts out into the world. Start to build that reputation, especially if you're going to create, uh, change your career. You want to let people know that you know your stuff. So you need to post a lot more professional stuff initially. And so I tell, I always coach people say 80 to 90% of what you put out online should be professional of some, in some manner. Now you can add a little bit of personalization to it, but it should relate directly to what you want to become known for. Then over time, you can begin to bring those percentages back down and begin to do, you know, like now today, I probably do a 60-40 split professional versus personal. But the reason I do that is because I think it's important for people to, that, you know, now that I have a reputation for personal branding and digital branding and online marketing space, I think it's also important for people who want to engage with me for them to be able to see the personal side of me. And so now I've reached a point where I can start to back off of that 80 to 90% and, I, and I'm probably in the 60-40. But initially, a lot more professional stuff than what you do personal and then you can start to dial those back as time goes on. You talked earlier about the amount of time somebody might spend on a daily basis doing this kind of uh, work on online branding. 
How long does it take, Ryan, in your experience for people to see results? Uh, when do they start to stand out online? Is it after three months, six months, a year? <laughs> well, it depends on the space you're going into. You know, um, I used to be a product manager. And if I wanted to become known as a product manager, I'm competing against a whole bunch of different people. So it's going to take me longer. And so I like to think of rather than, rather than think of a time frame that it's going to take, think of being consistent and putting, putting something out each and every week and just keep that going. And what happens, what'll happen is, and it's, you're not just going to post on your blog either. You're going to post content on LinkedIn and post it on social media. So you'll be repurposing the one thing that you create in many different media outlets. And as you, as you do that, you start to gain more exposure. You start to gain an audience. And you know, depending upon the you and your personality and how you write, people will either be attracted to what you're creating quickly, or it may take them a little bit of time. But there's, I mean, there's really no set time frame that says, hey, if you do this for three months, you're going to become known in this space. That's just, it's just not the way it works. What I want people to think about is just be consistent. Get your thoughts out once a week. Put something out on LinkedIn. Put something out on your blog. Respond to some comments to people. I mean, obviously, the in the engage step, the more you engage with other people, the quicker you can become known for your subject or topic. But if you're just strict, if you're just strictly looking at, hey, if I put out content once a week for so many weeks, I'll be I'll get found on Google. It's it just doesn't work that way. You also, it's a combination of how well you've integrated your brand online, the content you create, and how much you engage with your audience. And we've talked a lot today about content creation, but I, I want to go back to the start of the interview and, and just uh, talk a little bit about branding because I think certainly one of the challenges we see with job seekers is being clear about who they are and what they offer. And mm -hmm. branding lets you get very clear about that, doesn't it? It can, yes, absolutely. And one of the, for me personally, and actually I find that most of my clients, this method really resonates for them is there, there's several different ways that you can start to define your brand. But I find the best way is to take assessments. And that's through assessments like StrengthsFinder. Um, I like a couple, another one called Fascination Advantage by Sally Hogshead. Um, and then there's also a free one that's actually really good. And I've started to recommend it to a lot of different people. And it's called uh, 16 Personalities. And you can find that at 16personalities.com. But as you take these assessments, and, and I, I, I've heard some people say, well, I'll take an assessment. It's not going to be very accurate. Well, I can tell you, I'm like an assessment junkie. And when, you, when I take all of my assessments and I put them all together and I look at all the commonalities between them, I can't even put together a Venn diagram where you have the overlapping, overlapping circles because the circles almost become one. And when I look at the assessment results and compare them to my career, it's really kind of scary how close these assessments are to real life and what I've, what I've done and what I want to go do. And so I, I recommend people who are really stuck and they just kind of don't know where they want to go or what, you know, what, their skills or traits could take where they could take them, take an assessment and don't just take one, take a couple and look at the results between them and compare them. And when you start to really look at them and you look at your career objectively compared to the results, you'll find that uh, there's a common thread that runs between all of them. And that's the area where you really need to focus. Yeah, I think having that picture is always helpful, particularly in figuring out what you want to do next or being able to persuade an employer that you're the right person for the job that you want. 
Well, right, right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, it's been a great conversation. Now, tell us what's next for you. Well, I'm I'm going to continue to focus on promoting uh, my book, as you mentioned earlier, Career Cred, and uh, focus on getting the word out. I really think that you know it's important today to really build your digital brand and get it online so that you're ready when that recruiter or hiring manager looks you up and finds you online. But I also feel very, very strongly that it's going to be even more important three years from now, four years from now, five years from now, as we become just more and more dependent, if you will, in the digital age on looking things up on Google. And there was a survey not long ago from Intel that said by the year 2020, which is basically two years away, that 40% of the workforce will be freelancers. And so that means that those of, those of your listeners who are tuning in right now, four out of 10 of them could potentially be a freelance person. And if you're going to secure contracts with folks, if you're going to work well as a freelancer, you have to have a good digital presence build up. And so just from that standpoint alone, people really need to think about what they put out online because it's, it's important today and it's just going to grow in importance in the coming years. Agreed. Well, uh, excellent advice, Ryan. And I know people can find out more about you by visiting your website, ryanroten.com, and we'll be sure to include that URL in the show notes. Ryan, thanks for being on the show today. Mac, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been our pleasure. Take care. We're back in the MaxList studio, and I'd love to hear from you all. What are the key takeaways you got from my conversation with Ryan about online branding? So I really like this conversation because I know a lot of people struggle with the idea of branding, and I think it's mostly the word branding that they don't yeah. like. Yeah, it's it's, it's, um, it's like marketing it's scary. jargon, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah I mean, it's kind of like networking. I think it puts people off a little bit. Yeah, and but I mean, your brand is really just like who you are—that you're a person who's trustworthy and who's reliable, or you know, whatever you are, that's your brand. And you know, I think that idea has gotten confounded with like marketing jingo around branding, right? And so uh, I like how he really kind of made it simple and took it back to its roots about what branding is. I think the challenge a lot of people have, and he brought this up, is the idea that like you have to be consistent and congruent with your branding, right? That like uh, sometimes on social media, we're like all over the place with kind of like our random thoughts here or a photo there. And I think that's a real challenge is like if you want to like convey kind of the purest essence of who you are as a professional, you just have to be kind of consistent and, and you have to think before you post, like, is this fit into kind of a broader brand that I want to project out to the world? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And I think that there's also a misconception that you want to be consistent and you want to be honed in and focused, but there's room to be a little bit more, um, share share multiple ideas of that same narrow focus right so you don't have to just be you know only only posting the same sentence or the same sort of elevator pitch every time there are ways that um, other interests can feed into your brand as well but you have to again focus in on what that is 
and and you know I liked his point about um, honing that in at the begin you know what making it really strong when you're first starting out hold, focusing more on the professional side and then adding more of the personal side later um, that's 60 40 or whatever he said and um, because I think that your personal interests and sharing what you do in your personal life can also um, reinforce your professional brand as well because a lot of times your professional brand is is created because of your personal interests as well so it's you know it's a full package and it does make it stronger but kind of keeping it really focused and really narrow at the beginning and then having other things reinforce it and, and I think you also have to be strategic about the audience that you're reaching out to Absolutely. right you know yeah. that every social Media platform has uh, privacy settings, and so like for the photos of spring break, I know Mac, you recently posted some <laughs> wild spring break photos. Uh, you know, those are the kind of things that. Like, How did you get by my privacy settings? <laughs> um, those are the kind of things that like you limit to just like your friends and family, right? And that, but for content that's available to the broader world, knowing that the broader world is going to look for you on in a job search, that's the kind of stuff where you have to be really like curated and strategic about. Posting consistent um, quote on brand content there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I a couple quick things. Uh, one of the congruency, or you know, what do you want to be known for? I, I actually struggle with this because I run two companies, and one is Max List, which offers career advice, and the other is the Social Change Communications Agency, Pritchard Communications. So, if you look at my Twitter, take a side, Mac. Yeah, uh, it's. I. But again, I think they are connected. They are, but it, there's a. Um, Almost, I don't want to say there's a. It can be jarring sometimes if you look at my Twitter feed, the kinds of tweets I, I send out in a typical day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I too have discovered the benefit of of sharing personal interests that uh, Ryan was talking about because uh, often when I see people I know professionally who I haven't seen for a while, they've been following my Instagram feed, and mm-hmm. so they post a picture there almost every day about yeah. some personal interest or. And or a site you see yeah, or something, something you find Portland. interesting. Yeah, and people uh, respond very positively to that. Yeah, it yeah. shows you as a human and, and what you're interested in outside of just your professional interests. And I think that's the way to, um, in his engage, engage um, step, that's a, a big component of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you're a professional, but you're not a robot. And yeah, exactly. if you are only talking about one thing and not sort of bringing in your excitement, your personal excitement about it, or sort of giving your take on it, or mm-hmm. sort of inciting some back and forth with people, nobody's going to respond to your content. So yeah, I think that's something you need to keep in mind. I love that line, Becky, you're a professional, not a robot. <laughs> Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> um and then the other thing that I think about around personal branding is people get really worried about keeping up with it and being like, I just can't post all the time. So I think it's important to know your sort of level of ability to, to keep it up yep. and not necessarily worry about having your own blog, but just making sure you're posting on LinkedIn every week or every you know couple, couple times a week or something like that. Do what you can do because if you're forcing it and you try to do a lot and then you disappear off the map, that's not good. Yeah. So let me just throw this out there in the like balancing out consistency versus genuineness. Yeah. Like you always want to err on being more genuine, even if it's less consistent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, 
to share what is of interest of, to you anyway. And so hopefully if it's interesting to you, you'll be more inclined to post more. But again, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. And I agree that there's an idea that people, there's a lot of pressure and that kind of steers people away because mm-hmm. scary. there's, you know, you, it's the, what is that line of the perfect is the enemy of good. So yes. people get really locked into you know, I have to post once a week and it has to be perfect and there it has to be, you know, completely honed in right from the beginning. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can also grow with your personal brand. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to have it all locked in right from the beginning. And you don't have to know everything about the topic that you're interested That's in. That's right. Like if you start talking about it, people are going to see you as a thought leader. You just have to start sharing opinions. Yeah. That's all. That's all. So great. Good. Great advice. Well, thank you all, and thank you, Ryan, for joining us this week. And thank you, our listeners, for downloading today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. If you like what you hear, please sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And every issue, we give you the key points of that week's show. We also include links to all the resources mentioned, as well as a transcript of the full episode. Subscribe to the newsletter now, and we'll send you our new guide, the Top Career Podcasts of 2017. Discover all the podcasts that can help you find a great job and get the career you want. Get your free newsletter and podcast guide today. Go to maxlist.org slash topcareerpodcast2017. And join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Jane Barrett. She'll explain how to future-proof your career. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.